Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Obviously, I'm excited. This is the, the last Sunday before Christmas. We'll obviously be together for Christmas Eve and then after on the 26th online. But this is it. This is, this is the last Sunday. And, and I've been enjoying our, our series that we've been going through entitled um, Christmas Time at Broomfield Assembly. And I've kind of enjoyed being able to kind of jump around a little bit in the Christmas season and the Christmas story and I hope that you've enjoyed it as well. The title of the message this morning is The Thrill of Hope. The Thrill of Hope. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we do thank you for this time, for this opportunity, for this season and all it represents. Father, we know that as much fun as all the things are, and they are fun, they're, they're, they're exciting, they're, we enjoy those things. We know what this is all about and it's all about Jesus. And here's the thing, Father, that has not changed from when we got into December. It's all about Jesus in August. It's all about Jesus in February. It's all about Jesus all the time. But this is a special season. It's a holy season. And we are just so thankful that we could come and, and experience this as a family. So God, as we share these things, as I share these things, I pray that God, you would just speak through me. And that Father, you would just, you would just help my words to cease and that yours would begin. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I know you know this, but I mean, this is it. I mean, this is one of my favorite times of year. This is, it's getting closer and closer. And, and man, I don't know about you, but I can hardly believe that we're almost here. You know, it's like, I don't know about you, but when it comes to Christmas, it's like sometimes it takes some time. And then all of a sudden it's like here, you know, it's like, and I always wanted to slow down and kind of take it, but I want to encourage you as this is kind of the last week. And again, we'll meet together again um, on, on Christmas Eve, but just, just to take this time and really relish this moment. Really, really take some time. And I know it's busy and I know things have to be done, but just to, just to even take some time every single day and just meditate and, and, and think about what this season is and how amazing this season is and how special this time is because it really changed everything. When you think about the Christmas story, you think about the Christmas miracle of, of, of Jesus coming, it really changed everything. We, we celebrate those days on our calendar as Christians through, through Christmas and Easter, but, but these are these days that we just focus in on. Why? Because they literally changed everything. And, and we have to understand that when Jesus enters into things, things become different. They become different in us. They become different in society. They can become different in, in the, the situations that we, we come into. But we need that. We need different. We need Jesus to come and make a difference in our lives and in our world. And here's the thing, whether it's today or, or back several thousands of years ago, when Jesus enters into the scene, everything changes. Some of you know this, some of you don't. When, when I was growing up, I did a lot of plays and I did musicals and I did all, a lot of those sort of, of, of acting types of things. And, and, and I remember as, as a kid seeing when the star would kind of enter in the stage or the lead would enter in the stage and all the eyes were drawn to him or her because everybody usually kind of knew, you know, like what they were and they kind of were familiar with the play or familiar with the musical and everybody knew that that was now. Now the main individual had entered the scene and it changed everything. All eyes were drawn to the lead. And this morning what I want us to do is kind of remember that and understand that, that as Jesus entered into the scene, everything changed. 
The play changed, the life changed, the world changed, everything changed. Because before, the world was a little bit different. Let's look at Isaiah. We're going to be in Isaiah 9 this morning and some other verses. But we're going to start here in Isaiah 9, 2. And we're just going to look at the very first part of it. And it says this, the people who walk in darkness. The people who walk in darkness. As we get into your notes, you need to understand something. The Christmas story begins in darkness. Like, we, we don't usually think of it that way, do we? We kind of think of the nativity, and, and we see the lights, and, 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 and we, all these sort of things last evening. In fact, my Emily and Easton and I, we, we had dinner together, and then we piled into the car, and guess what we did? We went and looked at Christmas lights. We went and saw all, you know, all these sort of things. And here's what I normally found, you know, unless all the lights were out because they weren't home. If they had a nativity there, it was lit up. They wanted people to see their nativity. Now, sometimes they were real fancy schmancy and they had lights in them. And, and, they were, and sometimes they were more like figurines or, or cutouts. But they all had lights on them. They all had lights. And that makes sense. But we need to understand that before Jesus came, the world was in darkness. The Christmas story doesn't begin with, with, with this exciting, everything's going great, everything is perfect, everything's going well. It really begins in a time of darkness. There's a big gap in between in your Bibles, between the Old and the New Testament. There's several hundred years. I was trying to think about it uh, even this morning because I forgot to look over the week. Uh, how many years there is between basically the end of the Old Testament and when, when we see Matthew begin to write and things like that or Jesus begin to come. And I want to say it was seven, eight hundred years. Please don't quote me on that. But it's been a, it was a little while where it was almost like God was silent and the Jewish people are, are longing, they're, they're looking for, for, for a savior. Now, now, we hear that word and we kind of see it as we should in a spiritual sense. And, and, but they were more looking at it as, as, as a savior from Rome and their oppression. And it was dark at the time. I mean, the whole Christmas story doesn't begin with, with really, oh, everything's going great. Everything's going fine. Every, Mary and Joseph are having to travel. Why? Not on their own accord. Not because they decide, hey, wouldn't it be great if we just took a trip back to Bethlehem to kind of visit our ancestral home? No, they're forced to. They're forced because they're under the thumb of a Roman emperor, a Roman Caesar, who says, you know what? I think it's a good idea to have everyone counted. So they make this trip. Mary's in her third trimester. She's about ready to have a child. This is not an easy moment. This has got to be somewhat scary. Like I remember when, when Emily was pregnant and when it was getting closer and, and all the kind of the, the things that, that, you know, there was excitement, there was joy and all these things, but it was also a little scary. Like, well, what if things didn't go well? What if, what if, what if something happened that wasn't good? I mean, you kind of begin to think that way. And that was in 2013. Can you imagine? Way, way back there, Joseph is, is going, Mary, I'm so sorry, but we have to travel. Mary's going, you got to be kidding me. I'm going to have birth any day now, and you want me to travel across the, the, the open wilderness to Bethlehem? And Joseph says, yeah, kind of. And so they do, and they travel. They get there. There's no room. I mean, all these things. This is not a bright, awesome, wonderful moment. It's scary. It's dark. It's a time, in a lot of ways, of hopelessness and despair. Kind of like, in fact, kind of like our world today. 
Our world today is somewhat filled with darkness. And here's what I'm learning. Here's what I'm seeing. The darkness is getting larger, not smaller. We live in a world just very, very similar to the world that Jesus entered into. A world of darkness, a world of hopelessness, a world of despair. But here's the thing, that darkness is very interesting because the darkness then and even the darkness now is really twofold. It's really twofold. You see, the darkness is all around us and the darkness is actually in us. The darkness is all around us and the darkness is in us. Look at Jeremiah 17, 9. This is what it says. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and is desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? You see, we, we see darkness around us very clearly, but sometimes we need to understand that darkness is also in us. That darkness is a part on times of our life. And we're, we're, we're allowing God, if we've accepted him as our savior, we're allowing him to begin that transformation process. But we're still being changed. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that darkness comes out of me. Sometimes I get upset or, or, or that darkness comes a hold and, and, and begins to do things that I know this is not right. I need to stop. But I'm like Paul, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. Why? Because there's that darkness is in me. It's in you. We have an issue with our hearts that we need desperate help with. We need help with. What do we need? What can we find? Well, really? And we'll see it in the person of Jesus but we all need hope. We all need hope. You know, when I look at our world today, one of the things that I'm seeing just grows and it seems to be growing and growing and growing is a lack of hope. A, a, a lack of understanding, you know, that, that there, is, there is something good coming. Because here's the thing. Hope, and this is in your notes, is the confident expectation of goodness coming to us. You see, hope is about what's coming. You see, when you look at the fact that these people were waiting for their Messiah for so long, what kept them going? What helped them? It was the hope that he was coming. It was the hope that he would do what, he, what they thought he would do. There was a hope. It was a confident expectation. You know, hopelessness is the absence of that. It's not a confidence. It's not expecting something good to come. Now, as Christians, we can have that because we know what the end of the story says. But unfortunately, sometimes we forget that. We forget that and we start to live a life of hopelessness. And it's usually based on little circumstances that come into our life. It's not necessarily seeing the big picture. Unfortunately, in those moments, we tend to focus in on the circumstance and the small picture. But let me encourage you. How we handle joy, suffering, pain, victory will be determined by how we understand and apply hope. Let me, let me give you an example. Let's say that, that in your life something really, really is kind of just, you're just kind of living life. Everything's kind of fine, you know. 
you know, it's like somebody says, how are you? And you say, oh, I'm fine, which basically means I'm not, not great, but nothing really bad has happened. You're just kind of fine. And I walk up to you before service and I say, hey, listen, I want to let you know that after service is over, if you can stay awake, let's say that's, what, that's, that's a requirement. You got to stay awake all service. And if you stay awake all service, at the end of service, I got a nice, crisp $10 bill for you. Okay? Now, you go, well, hey, oh, I was planning on staying awake anyway. $10 bill's not bad, you know, with things going the way they are. Maybe I can, you know, buy a coffee someplace, you know. $10 bill's more than I had when I walked in here. That's great. But I walk up to someone else. And I say, listen, if you can stay awake during this situation, during things this morning, I am going to give you $10,000. Now, you're both sitting in the same place. You're both hearing the same situation and the same message. You're still all the same. It's all the same. Your life isn't really, really good. It's not really, really bad. It's just kind of there. You know what? I'm going to, I bet, I bet the person that I say $10,000 into service is going to experience service a little bit different than the one that's just like 10 bucks. You know, if you're getting tired, you know, I mean, it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm getting kind of tired. Aaron's being a little boring right now. Um, another Christmas message, you know, it'd be kind of nice to have a little bit of nap right now. So I think I might, you know, 10 bucks, whatever. But I promise you this, if I offered you 10 grand, you'd be wide awake during service. Even if I started talking really slowly and we turned the heat up, you know, where it was nice and toasty in here, you'd be like, mm, I'm going to hold the eyes open. I am staying awake. Why? What's the difference? The message is the same. The worship is the same. Hopefully the temperature is the same. The difference is you have an expectation of something good coming to you. But unfortunately, as Christians, we tend to not live that way. We tend to forget that fact. Instead, we live our lives forgetting that we have a gift that came in a manger but didn't stay there, but instead lived a life that was sinless and then went and died on a cross for our salvation. Listen, the great thing is, as much as I love Christmas, as much as I enjoy this season, you know what I usually think about at Christmas time? This is not going to hold a candle to eternity. This feeling and these emotions and the excitement, we're going to look back and we're going to be in eternity in God's presence and go, you remember when we celebrated Christmas and thought that was cool? You know, we looked forward to Christmas. Now we're like, Christmas, are you kidding me? We're going to be like, all, we're all going to be Scrooges. You know, we're going to be like Christmas, bah humbug. Eternity, that's where it's at. In God's presence, in his goodness and his fullness, that's where it's at. A life that has been removed of pain and suffering and disease and sickness and all those things. That is going to be a world and a life that is unbelievable. But the problem is right now we're living with darkness. Right now we're trying so hard because we all need hope. Listen, can I tell you one of the things that frustrates me as a pastor about myself and about others just about more than anything? It's people who forget their hope. It's people that tend to forget the hope that we have. You know, scripture talks about that. Don't forget the hope that we have. No matter what we face, no matter what we go through, we have a Savior who is Christ the Lord, who came for us. 
We have a hope. We all need hope. There is never or will never be a human being on this planet that doesn't need hope. The question becomes different because what we have to understand is we are all looking for something in which to place our hope. That's the issue. The issue is not, do you need hope? You need hope. The issue is we have to find a place. We have to find something to place our hope in. Monica, I know I jumped ahead. We're going to jump back now to that movie poster. But, but I don't know about you, but I'm not really much into Star Wars. But I have become more into Star Wars because my son has gotten into Star Wars, which, which he likes the Lego Star Wars and stuff like that. And, and I remember, and I don't remember when Rogue One came out. I know it came out several years ago. But I do remember the movie poster, which is strange because I, I, I don't go to a lot of movies. And so my, my assumption was that maybe I, I had I'd seen maybe a billboard or I, I used to sometimes take the kids to, to movies um, when I was a youth pastor. So I'm not sure when I saw this, but this just stuck in my mind. It stuck in my mind. And, and again, I don't know much about it. I never saw the movie, so I'm not saying it's good or bad. I have no idea. I've never seen it. But, but it's interesting. If you look at this movie poster, and it's hard to see it, I know, here at church. But, but on the top, it says kind of the tagline is a rebellion built on hope. Now listen, obviously Star Wars is not a Christian movie. But I remember, I remember seeing that for the first time and being man, that'll preach, you know? I mean, that's what Jesus came to do. He came to start a rebellion against the darkness based on the hope that we have in him. We, we have this desire. Why did they put that tagline? The people that wrote the movie or, or the, the script or did the, the tagline or whatever, they weren't sitting there, okay, how can we make this a little more Christian? They were trying to figure out how to connect with, so, with many, many people. Why? Because they knew hope mattered. They knew that they, people needed that. They knew that people were looking for something to put their hope in. Now, I'm assuming in the movie, what they put their hope in was a rebellion. I don't know. I'm not sure about how all that fits in timelines and, and stuff that, that other people are very, very focused on. But I do know that we've got to put our hope someplace. I do know that if we don't put our hope someplace, we're going to put our hope someplace. Did you get what I just said there? Okay. You're, you're, you're not going to not put hope someplace. And so the question becomes, where do we put our hope? For this and this movie, obviously, I guess it was a rebellion. For us, where do we put it? Well, let's go back to Isaiah 9-2. Let's look at the whole verse now. Isaiah 9-2 says this. The people who walk in darkness, that's where we stop, and now let's continue, will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness. Listen, if, if there were a people that I think we could say, that's us. We live in a land of deep darkness. But even for those, a light will shine. The people that live in darkness, a light will shine. I mentioned earlier, one of the things that, that my family really enjoys to do, and I know that, that you do too, or at least a lot of people do, is, is they like Christmas lights. Isn't it interesting 
that, that really, when you think about Christmas in our world today, there, there really is two different types. And, 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 and there's kind of this, this secular Christmas, and then there's kind of a sacred or spiritual Christmas. And, and I, I always kind of, you know, I like, you know, when people will be like, oh, you know, this is this, is, this, is, this, is this new thing. You, you realize that Christmas has been kind of separated with a secular and a spiritual Christmas for, for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. This is not a new phenomenon, okay? But isn't it interesting? that both the secular and the spiritual seem to have a focus on lights. I mean, here in a couple days, we're going to come together, and, and this sanctuary is going to look a little bit different. We're going to have candles, and we're going to have them lit, and, and we're going to have candles for you. And, and, and I, oh, I, I, wish, I wish I could like, like get you guys all up here to see you all with all the candles lit. But that I can't do that because then everybody would be here, then nobody would be out there to light the candles. It's a problem. So maybe I'll take a picture or something if that wouldn't be so weird. But, but it's just so awesome because, you know, it's usually kind of dark in here. It's dark outside. And, and you've, you've lit your candle and it just illuminates your face. I mean, it's just, I love it. It's beautiful. But also, you know, you drive around and you see the Christmas lights on the houses or on the trees. It's interesting to me that, that, that both are a symbol of this season, whether it's a secular or even if it's a spiritual. It's, it's, it's important that we understand that because lights matter. When we live in a world of darkness, that light can matter. I thought it'd be fun. I, 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 I looked on the internet and I found some, some houses I want to show you. If you want to throw that first one up there. I mean, that is a lit up house. I, I was looking, looking at that going, I wonder, you know, if, if they missed any, any part of the house. I know there's some black in there, but I mean, they really lit that one up pretty good. Let's watch, let's go to the next one. That is, is, that is crazy busy, you know? Like, that's like one of those you drive by and you have to stop because there's so many lights. I know it's hard to see, but just trust me on that. It's like you can't even see the house because there's so much light. Okay, one more. One more. This is this was actually somewhat tamer. I mean, they. I, I, it's funny. It's like they 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 put their property line uh, in light so they could like make sure they got to the very very edge of where they could legally put things up. We love lights. We love lights. But here's the thing: we need to understand and hear me when I say that there is lights, little L, and lights or light capital L. Look at John 8. In John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. What's Isaiah prophesying about hundreds of years before Jesus came? He's prophesying about a light. He's prophesying about how the people are walking and they're filled and they're, 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 darkness is around them, darkness is in them. And, and now what do they need? They need a light. And now Jesus, hundreds of years later in John 8, prof, or says of himself, that's who I am. I am the light. You see, the Christmas story is that we have now seen a great light. 
We don't have to walk in darkness anymore. We don't have to wander around anymore. We don't have to close our eyes and hope that we end up where we need to be. Christ is the light that we all need. It is the light that we can find our hope in. It's the light that we can find our salvation in. It's the light that we all need. When we think about how we need to find something to place our hope in, it's Jesus. It's always going to be Jesus. And we need him desperately because we have that darkness all around us this season and this time listen I know it's easy to to drive around and and see and get busy with all the things but listen I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you when you're driving home maybe this evening or whenever you're driving around this weekend it's dark and you see houses lit up try really hard not to see just the lights see the light understand those things Look at Matthew 12. Look at this verse. This is great. I love this verse. Matthew 12, 17 through 21. This is what it says. This, this fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him, him being Jesus. Look at my servant. This is God speaking through Isaiah. Okay. Look at my servant who I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. Look at verse number 21. And his name will be the hope of all the world. That's our Jesus. He is the light. His name is hope. The problem that we see at times in our world is people have forgotten the true name of hope. This time of year, listen, hear me. God is giving us a wonderful opportunity. Every single one of us, not just people with pastor in front of their names, but every single one of us to help people understand what the name of hope really is. You know, a lot of times we think about hope and we think about, I hope I get this time of year. We've talked about it the last couple of weeks. You've already received the greatest gift. The issue is, have you opened it? And it's him. It's him. Well, I don't know about you, but, but this time of year, there's, there's certain things that I always look forward to. And I kind of use those as kind of like things that are kind of like um, barometers, kind of like that I know it's Christmas time. And, and one of the things that I, I really enjoy is when, when the radio station, I don't remember which one it is, it's like 101 something, you know, I don't know what it is, starts playing Christmas music, you know, on the radio. Now, here's what's funny about that. I probably own every song that they play on the radio, and I listen to them all year round. Like, I don't just, you know, like, you know, I, had, so I told you this once, I had somebody say they didn't like Christmas music, and I said, oh, I love Christmas music, and they said, well, if you love it so much, why don't you listen to it all year round? And I said, I do, and that really shut them up, you know what I mean? I do, I, love, I listen to it all year, I enjoy it all year, but there's just something, I don't know what it is. There's just something about on the radio, you know, maybe it makes me feel like I'm not nuts, you know? like okay it's actually Christmas time and and what's interesting and we sang it this morning but but I was listening the other day and one of the things I love about Christmas music is the theology 
in the words. And, and I love the fact that I am listening to a public, you know, normal, not a Christian radio station that is literally pumping theology, good theology to people through this time. And, and people that, that are singing about it. I mean, people that quite honestly, I don't know their lives and I don't know them real well, but just kind of seeing the fruit, they, they probably don't know Jesus real well. And they're seeing, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. They're praising. What are they doing? They're proclaiming the light. On your notes, the back of them, there's a song. And again, we sang it this morning, but I, I heard it just this week. And, and it was just, I was driving down the road and I was, I was actually going home and and I, I almost, I really almost kind of got emotional in the car. Because it was just, the words just began to speak to me what, what Jesus had done. Look with, with me here, and they'll be on the screen. It says, listen to the words here. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world, now listen, listen to this, long lay the world in sin and error pining. I, I, I looked up that word pining because I was kind of like, that was kind of one of the words. I was like, well, what does that really mean? And it can mean a couple things, but in this context, it, it's, it's kind of this idea of just decaying slowly. It's this idea, you know, it's, it's, it's longing but it's also this, this, this idea that, that the world is in darkness, it's in sin and error, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse, and we need something. We're looking towards something. And listen to what the next verse says, till he appears, and the soul felt its worth. Listen, too many people this time of year trying to get their soul to feel its worth in things that quite honestly just don't matter. Why is there so much darkness? Why is there so much despair and loneliness? Hey, listen, I was even reading something this week. Did you know in England, they literally, because of this pandemic, and I'm using that word on purpose, the pandemic of loneliness, they literally have a minister of loneliness. darkness in us around us we try to find our hope and our worth in something besides he who appears on that night and here we are a thrill of hope a thrill the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And here's what's interesting. When we begin to see all of those things, what should be the response? Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels, the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. O night, O holy night, O night divine. 
The worship team wants to come on up. We're going to close. I want to encourage you, you know, whether, no matter what it is, Joy to the World, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Emmanuel, I mean, all of these songs, listen, and, and I, I know I'm different, I know I'm weird when it comes to Christmas, but I, I, and I know they're Christmas carols, but I want to encourage you, be weird like me, and don't be afraid to pop them in in August or March. Why? Because they're worship. I mean, when, you, when it says fall on your knees, you know, I always picture a couple things in my mind. I always either picture, like, you know, I always, I always imagine the shepherds. And they've been out in their fields watching their flocks by night. And the angels appear and they're terrified. And the angel says, fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. For born to you in the city of David is a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You'll find the babe wrapped in strips of clothes, cloth lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with the angel the heavenly host of God singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. And the shepherds are just blown away by this scene as anyone would. And they look at each other and they say, let's go, let's go see this thing that has happened. You see, hope, Jesus, has been born. That has taken place. You have been, especially if you are listening to this or have been following our series or, 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 or just know the story, it has been proclaimed to you. The hope that you need, the hope that will fix the hole inside your heart that will shine away the darkness that is around you and in you has been proclaimed to you. But see, the shepherds did something pretty cool. They said, let us go and see this thing that the angels have told us about. Christmas is about a lot of things. His birth, the hope, the thrill of hope. But it's also about being people that say, I'm going to go find that thing that I need. Because here's the thing, all of us are doing that every day of our lives. Unfortunately, we're looking for things that are not going to save our soul. They're not going to bring us the hope that we need. They're not going to bring us the fulfillment we need. They're not going to bring us the peace, love, and joy, and mercy, and goodness that we need. And so we spend our whole lives as wandering shepherds trying to find the thing where we can place our hope. Can I tell you something? In a world where unfortunately truth has been tried to be disassembled and truth has been tried to say it's not really what it is, I will proclaim to you with boldness and full authority on the word of God, there is truth and his name is Jesus Christ. There is hope, and His name is Jesus Christ. 
There is no other name which we can be saved. There is no other way to the Father. He is the hope that we need. He is the light that we need. And it's time that we go and find Him. And so the, the shepherds leave and they go and they find Jesus lying in a manger. And just like the song proclaims, I just see in that moment the shepherds falling to their knees. And they're looking at awe and wonder and worship at this little baby, God's only son. And the Bible says that they leave and they're rejoicing. They're saying, it's just like the angel said. You know, one of the greatest things a pastor can experience is when he shares God's word and the truth of God's word and people respond to it and they accept Jesus and then they look at their life and they look at the transformation and they basically say, it's just like he said. I have hope. I have peace. I have a future and a destiny because of who he is and what he's done. Oh, holy night indeed. when light entered the stage and began to drive away the darkness. So Father, we come to you right now. And God, if there's anyone here this morning or online that has never accepted the light, maybe they've lived a while and they, they, they've, they've come to that realization that yeah, I gotta have hope. I need something more than just this life. I need something greater than me. And maybe they've looked in different areas, but the bottom line is, is it hasn't fulfilled them the way that only you can. Father, right now, they can accept your light. They can come to you and say, you know, God, I know that you sent your son. I believe that he is your son. I believe that Jesus came and he died for me. I need forgiveness of my sin. And so I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. I, I allow that light to penetrate the darkness in me and chase it away. For others, maybe it's just time to let the light shine a little bit brighter in us and through us. We've forgotten because we've been so busy with maybe other things how dark our world can be and how that God has called us to be salt and to be light. Jesus came and was that light in the darkness. Now, because we're his followers, we need your help, Jesus, to be the light in our world around us. Oh, holy night. We desperately needed you. We were in sin and error, decaying all around us and in us. But that thrill of hope that came when you came, we fall on our knees and we worship you. You're so good.
Let's all stand. John and the worship team are going to come and lead us in a closing chorus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you sent your Son. Thank you that his name is hope. That he is the light of the world. And we don't have to wander in the darkness anymore. But Father, I pray for every individual that's here, every individual that's online, whether this is live or six weeks from now or six years from now, that we would also listen and take the example of the shepherds and we would go and find the hope that we need. It's Jesus. We would go to him. We would run to him and allow him to fulfill and save us from our sin. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this moment and this time. We thank you for each one that's here, each one that's online. And Father, I pray that you would just continue, as I know you have, that you would just continue to use your Holy Spirit to draw people to yourself. 
They need you. That's why you came. Because we lived in the darkness. And now we have seen a great light. It's Jesus. We love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity. You're so good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas to all of you. I hope that we see you all on Friday night for Christmas Eve. I hope this week is just a wonderful week. Remember, enjoy it. Relish it. Let it be just a, a special week for you and your family. Have a great week. We'll see you on Friday. Merry Christmas.